Hello, you are listening to Adrian Has Issues, the conversational podcast celebrating the culture of creativity. Today, I am welcoming back uh, one of my favorite guests and also just one of my favorite people in general. We have talked back and whoa, gosh, this is going back a ways. Episode 92 entitled Dirty Realism. On that episode, I spoke with Alex Schumacher. He is a California-based writer and sequential artist, and he is currently producing the weekly illustrated feature Decades of Inexperience for Ant Express, and also the monthly strip Mr. Butterchips for Drunk Monkeys. He is also the author of Defiling the Literati, a collection of magazine work, which I just got to point out real quick before I even finish, Defiling the Literati might be one of my favorite titles, and I'm not even just saying that because you're here, but I think it's just brilliant. (laughs) Well, thank you. <laughs> so we had such a blast talking on that episode. And well, as of this recording, we are nearing the 200th strip of decades of inexperience. So it was a perfect opportunity for Alex to come back. But ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Alex Schumacher. Alex, how you doing, buddy? I am doing fairly well, Adrian. How are you? I'm doing great. And I'm, you know, we're doing this while we're both braving the cold as well as um, earlier hours than normal. So, again, that's the the consummate professional and just overall good guy because, like you said, it, it, I, I know I'm not a morning person, but I can't necessarily assume everybody else is either. Right. No, there are definitely some people who I think fare pretty well in the mornings, but I'm not one of them, so I'm currently caffeinating. <laughs> yeah, I've been mainlining caffeine this whole time, so at some point, if I just stop making sense... Um, apologies, but by the same token, I make no apologies. No, that's fair. I don't think you need to make any apologies. If there was a way to freebase coffee grounds, I would probably do that. I almost would, I would almost say challenge accepted, but then I don't need that rumor getting started. Yeah, <laughs> you don't need to go down that road. Yeah, and also, that's going to be a weird intervention. I'm like, uh, you need to stop shooting coffee. Like, that's just, <laughs> I, they're never prepared me for that that lesson at all. Well, and you'd probably also be mocked a little bit by the other recovering addicts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Considering they have actual problems. Yeah, I, I just feel like that would just that would be a little insulting on my end. Right, right. <laughs> so, for those of you who are listening who may not be aware of Decades of Inexperience, um, I figure what I'll do is have Alex kind of explain a little bit about what it is, and then we'll get right into it. Yeah, so Decades of Inexperience started in 2015. I have been producing it with an online publisher called Antics Press, and uh, my editor's name is Francis Lombard. Uh, we met through a mutual contact and found that we shared very similar senses of humor and a an affinity for comics. So we decided to work together, and it started as a very different type of online feature because I was coming off of a few years of focusing specifically on prose. So when we came back to it, the decision was made to present it as sort of an illustrated flash fiction. And then I, as I always do, I gravitated back more and more towards comics. So in the third year, we just decided to go full bore and make it a full page comic again. The feature itself is semi-autobiographical, but also very exaggerated for effect, but it's about a a guy in his thirties named Luke Carlin who hasn't quite figured everything out. And, you know, like a lot of us, and he sort of goes from job to job, just trying to get his life together. And so we are now 
approaching the 200th episode, like you said, which will drop on Friday the 21st. Yeah, and it's a great strip. And also, like, it was one of those things, like, I, I was coming up with sort of a descriptor. It's profane, yet profound. There's parts that you laugh at, but it's not necessarily laughs for the sake of comedy. But like you said, it's an absurd sort of take on his struggles. But I, I find that you really go through some shit with this guy. Yeah, I, I think for both Francis and I, we were we were both at a stage where we wanted to do something where we were kind of unencumbered by expectations to a degree where we didn't necessarily want to create anything for a specific editor or a specific publishing house or a specific audience even necessarily. And we just wanted to create something that we felt proud of and that covered a lot of topics that we wanted to. And that gave us the freedom to kind of go anywhere we wanted with it. And with, with Francis as my editor, I think he's good at reining me in if something begins to veer more towards the melodrama and not necessarily that I tend to write that way, but it's very good to have him as a sounding board. And and I think that collaboration keeps the focus of the strip. And especially when you're doing a one page strip every week, there has to be an economy of words and a very focused perspective, which we've definitely honed over the last five years but i think that the intent was there from the very beginning talking about some of the absurdity one of my favorites just one of the more recent ones is when uh luke is visited by the grim reaper oh yeah drunk death drunk death is probably my favorite character and this is again this sounds maybe terrible to say because again talking about the absurdity you know what i was like shoot wow drunk death's actually pretty poignant he's got some really good points (laughs) Yeah, and it was a fascinating thing for us, or an interesting thing for us, to explore the Grim Reaper as a sort of custodian for Luke in a way, because he actually cares about Luke. And that's not necessarily the aspect of the Grim Reaper that we see normally. So it felt very fun and fresh, I guess, for Francis and I to approach it from that standpoint, as opposed to just the guy coming to collect your soul. He's actually actively trying to keep Luke from dying in a lot of instances. So that juxtaposition has always been kind of enjoyable to play with. (laughs) I mean, obviously it's not really the Grim Reaper, it's more Luke's subconscious, but it was still an interesting character to mirror Luke's own sort of foibles and Luke's own inadequacies in a way. And just have a character shine that spotlight back on him. Right. So considering that, like I said, you've been working on this since 2015. We're hitting 200 strips. Yeah. We've gone through hell and back with Luke. And yeah. something, so like literal hell and back. <laughs> Literally. Um, <laughs> something I've always kind of wondered is, and this is something I even think about in and of myself when it comes to doing any sort of project and while 2015 wasn't that long ago, for a weekly strip, that's quite a bit of content. It's you know you have 200 on your belt. So my question to you then is: for something that you've been doing for so long, how is it that you've been able to find new ways to, you know, keep it fresh, to keep it going, to not have it seem either repetitive or like you're almost like torturing Luke, so to speak, or any of your characters? 
Uh, the application of a lot of mind-altering substances helps. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, it's a, we always plot out the year uh, a little as much in advance as possible, and we go back. Francis has a pretty decent spreadsheet at this point of things that we've covered. So if it's something that we've done extensively, then we either try and find a way to talk about it in in some sort of fashion that we haven't before or if it's something that we've already done a few times maybe we'll be able to shift pivot at that point and find another topic to talk about but i suppose the real answer is you know we just mine our own experiences and you know i'll be turning 40 this year francis is probably not a day over 42 which is not true um but (laughs) You know, collectively, we've had a lot of life experience. And so it's not difficult to go back, uh, you know, in the annals of my history of stupidity and draw on that for inspiration because there's a lot of it. Oh, my God. And that's (laughs) the history of stupidity. Like, I that almost could be like a separate (laughs) title because I'm I mean, I'm (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you've got what five years on me at this point because I'm just uh, now turning 35 since October, and yeah. I mean, I haven't lived necessarily the most storied life. But man, looking back, I really I know it's like a meme, but I really do do that thing where sometimes I will be like laying in bed and suddenly just jolt out of sleep thinking about the dumbest things I did, not even necessarily like years ago, but like a couple of hours earlier. <laughs> Sure, and I think that's kind of an, a, per, a perfect analogy for the experience with decades of inexperience is it's not necessarily that Luke or I or Francis have lived these extraordinary lives because that's not what the strip is about. It's quite literally about the smaller life experiences that everybody goes through. So, you know, we figured there would at least be some audience to relate to it because we're – very average as far as people go. So we, you know, the experiences that we've had and the, you know, the follies of our past, you know, would not be all that dissimilar from a lot of other people, even if they're not, you know, one-to-one ratios of what people have gone through. I, I think it still comes across as something that is akin to a conversation with a friend or just, you know, sharing old war stories and and that was kind of the intent from the beginning. And that's something that, you know, many a creator has done. But I guess it can't really be overstated the importance of realism in that regard or, or rather relatability. You know, as much as yeah. I love my characters that are monolithic, larger than life, you know, like your Supermans or your Captain Americas. I always enjoy my like my Hawkeyes, like the regular person who just happens to be you know, a little good at something, but. Is, is sort of the underdog in that respect. Sure. And I think that's the great thing about the arts. And, you know, we're talking about movies and music and comics and novels is there's room for all of that. You know, the, there's no written law or unwritten law that says you can only talk about one specific things in any given format. So while superheroes sort of dominated comics in North America for a long time, that is starting to shift a little bit. But that doesn't mean that fans of, you know, Superman can't also like Raina Telgemeier, who does Smile. So, the, and I think that perspective again here in North America is shifting. 
and has been over the last decade, which has been wonderful to see and wonderful to kind of be a part of in my own small, insignificant way. Yeah, because I thought about this a lot recently, you know, and as we've been talking the last couple of years with the rise of, I guess for lack of a better term, comic book culture. Now, I will admit that in talking about it, I've always put it through the, the lens of, let's say, a superhero title or like a more fantastical book and not really thinking of and maybe doing a little bit of disservice to a more independently minded and a little bit more grounded work, which especially now considering that, you know, art more than it has in, in a very long time has really been having to kind of speak truths to situations where there seems like there is no truth. Like, I feel like that's sort of focusing where I think people really are looking for something that they can relate to. And as much as I do, like I said, those, you know, more large life characters, reading this strip has kind of hit home in ways that I didn't really expect. I mean, you've tackled some serious subjects, not just when it comes to relationships, substance abuse, but even as far as like, you know, the current administration and dealing with like issues of like anti-Semitism, like it's really hard hitting stuff. It, with decades of inexperience specifically, we try not to get too political, I guess, and not because I, I have any fear of backlash. I just tend to dive into that world, you know, with both feet with the Mr. Buttertrip strip. So with decades, we just want it to be more about the person. However, in this day and age and with this current administration, with over this last, you know, five years, it's difficult to avoid discussing those topics in a lot of ways. And especially for somebody like me who is Jewish, how do you not talk about anti-Semitism? You know, how do you not talk about bigotry and intolerance? So certainly some of those have found their way into the strip, even if it's just been from Luke's own personal perspective, as opposed to trying to convey some message to the masses. I think that's what we've always tried to do with Luke, where it's just that very, you know, singular vision, uh, uh, you know, from his standpoint as a character. But of course, you have to talk about, I mean, for me, I, like I said, I can't idly sit by and not discuss those topics right now. And, you know, and I definitely get that. And I know a lot of people, it's hard to sort of say that you're kind of like dancing around, let's say, the idea of politics and things like that. But Um, I was talking to a friend about this very same thing about, you know, not wanting to get political, but when it comes to certain situations, I don't think you can really frame them in the, the, the mold of politics because when you have things like, you know, hate crimes and things like that, or even just dealing with just day to day issues, that's not really something that is necessarily political. Maybe it's more personal politics, but it's not necessarily just taking sides of like a particular party or a platform. Because I think right now the biggest issue um, in part of America is just giving a shit <laughs> in a world yeah. that doesn't seem to do so. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And the, the sort of rise of this far right idealism is kind of concerning and and i think there are a lot of groups out there not not just jews for sure i mean there are a lot of groups people of color the lgbtq community so many different facets of of human life are are affected by this and it's not just one person's experience 
so like you said, there's just the, you know, at this point, it's kind of unavoidable to talk about those things if you're affected by them. And if you're not, then I don't really know what kind of rock you've been living under, but I don't know that I'd be able to have a conversation with you either. And that is a very good point, which, you know, something I've been kind of saying is it's not politics to just care, you know, like you to care that people are being affected um, adversely and wanting things to change. And it's like, you should always want that. That shouldn't necessarily be tied to a party. It shouldn't. And I've always, I've often wondered aloud why kindness seems to be so difficult to find these days. It just, you know, and I know there's the echo chambers on social media and I know that people can find their groups to, you know, confirm or verify any sort of radical beliefs they may have, but there's still this foundation of kindness and uh, I don't know, love that seems to be vacant in a lot of ways. And it kind of boggles my mind. So with decades, there's a lot of, there can be some aggression, I guess, but I think where Luke comes from is always a place of, of love and acceptance. I hope anyway, maybe it's not always evident, but, <laughs> but that is where he comes from. And it's been a journey with him, which has been, you know, by design from the beginning, he goes from this, you know, dirt bag, you know, degenerate drinking himself into a coma every night to becoming a little bit more socially aware and aware of his own, you know, shortcomings when it comes to viewing the world. And that was a specific goal an objective from the beginning is to have him go on that, you know, journey of self-discovery. Right. So hopefully some other people can see that and realize that maybe they need to, you know, reflect inward a little bit more. And I don't know if that actually is the outcome, but with Luke, that was certainly something that we wanted to convey. Right. And I was speaking with um, recent guests about um, a character they were working on and something that, as you were speaking, kind of clicked in my mind about when talking about characters and wanted to convey messages. I think what's starting to happen or what I kind of feel like should happen is a better understanding, because I think about Luke, and you, like you said, Luke started out as being like a dirtbag, you know, he struggled a lot. And obviously, as he's gone on in, in like the 200 strips, he is growing, but still finding a hard time, like, you know, getting his footing. You know, it's like one step forward, sort of two steps back. But to me, I'm as I get older, and I don't know if maybe this is the most popular opinion, but I used to think, and I still do think that you know, okay, if I do X, Y, and Z, and then I'll get here, and then I'm good. Like, as far as, okay, if I get this particular job, or if I land this interview, like, and then I'm set, not realizing yeah. that we are works of progress. And sure. I think that's sort of the fascinating thing with Luke is, is that when I read decades of an experience, I'm not thinking, okay, when is this, when is he ever going to, like, get it right? Like, this isn't a right. video game where you're trying to defeat a, a boss and win. It's a constant state of like small victories, small losses, big victories, you know, that's almost the point is the actual journey. And it's not so much that he's going to ever be right and he'll never struggle. It's just more the trying to overcome the challenges. And honestly, I feel like that's the best you could do. Right. So with Luke, it's that idea of if you can be better today than you were yesterday, that's a triumph. And as people... I think that's the best we can do also and expecting ourselves 
to make these astronomical leaps as far as our goals and aspirations go, either professionally or personally, that's setting yourself up for disappointment. So with Luke, it's always that that those little struggles of trying to change something that he did wrong yesterday and maybe learning from that and moving forward from it. Because it's not always that he even ends up repairing that specific <laughs> thing that he finds wrong, but it's about the learning process because that's what life is for all of us. And I certainly, you know, have, I think, discovered that more and more in, in my old age that, <laughs> that that's what life is for all of us. It's just, a you know, one long learning experience and, and hopefully you retain a few nuggets of wisdom at the end. Whether you decide to use them in your life or not, like you can't help but find little nuggets and, I just right. always appreciate the fact that this character and actually a lot of the characters you created, they're complicated. You know, they're still relatively good people. You know, they make mistakes, but they are, they contain multitudes. And I, I feel like that's really the thing that always draws me now to characters is the ones that try to do good, but at least are at least flawed to a point where you're not so much leaning on the flaws for any sort of massive effect. Cause you know, you don't want to beat somebody over the head with it, but just right. showing, Hey, you know what? There's good and bad to all of us. Yeah. And the thing with superheroes for me is these sort of infallible impregnable characters don't have any consequences and that's not reality. So it's fine if you want to enjoy the superhero books and the fantasy books and, and you want to, you know, have those as some sort of escape. That's perfectly fine. I understand that. But for me, the most intriguing characters and, and the most engaging characters are the ones where there's actual consequences because they have, you know, Captain America die every 10 years and you know, he's not going to stay dead because they still want to make money. So they're going to bring him back. So in that sense, there's no real consequence. So if he dies, you, you aren't sad, you know, he's coming back at some point. Whereas if And this is not a spoiler because we don't plan on this happening. But if Luke were to die tomorrow, <laughs> he's not coming back because he's a he's a, you know, quote unquote, real person. So, for you know, for me, it's it's about having those consequences and those those real uh, outcomes where if something bad happens, then there is some sort of lasting effect or lasting trauma from it as opposed to just being able to shake it off from your, cause you're an alien from another planet. Right. The complications of people I think is important too. If you, if you have an ancillary or a secondary character in there to specifically provide one viewpoint or, or, you know, be there for some shift in the story, that's fine. But the primary characters or even the secondary characters too, I think should be complex because people are complicated. So I'm glad that to hear you say that the characters actually come off that way and there are multiple levels to them as opposed to just, you know, this is Luke's best friend. This is Luke's girlfriend. Hopefully all of those characters have layers to them that people can, can find as they're reading the strip. Right, exactly. The hardest part is wanting to find something good in the face of so many things that just seem wrong. And I'm guilty of this too, is just, Trying to find something that, like I said, is infallible, and it's nice to read characters that sort of remind you that that's not always the case. And, you know, and I, I, that's always the beauty of this strip is there's always enough to mine from, whether it be trying to maybe teach a unconventional lesson or just to even provide some sort of insight and in saying, 
that there are people who do have these struggles and like, like bringing that realism to where sometimes we or I personally struggled with that and not wanting to sometimes face the harder truths. Right. Yeah. It's tough to do that. You know, self-reflection and I guess for me, self-reproach in a lot of ways, (laughs) that's difficult because it's very easy to see other people's, you know, misgivings and, you know, transgressions. And for me, Luke, I guess is a way that I am holding myself accountable to a degree because I am calling out things that I've done in the past. I am talking about perspectives and opinions that I've had that, that have shifted certainly and giving the reasons why they shifted and what I've learned and grown as a person, hopefully to come to those conclusions because, you know, trying to have some sort of profound experience in every week in the comic, I think would just be a futile pursuit. Right. So it's more, about the, you know, the gradual climb or, and fall, you know, it's sort of a Sisyphus with his rock kind of experience with, with Luke. Cause he starts getting that rock up the hill and then the next thing he knows it's at the bottom again. So in a lot of ways, Luke is, is sort of a, you know, millennial Gen X Sisyphus. <laughs> oh man, that's actually really good. Millennial Sisyphus. That's actually a really good band name. Yeah, that's a. Have you read the the mythology? Yes, not as much oh, yeah. as I should, but I do remember that though. But yeah, I don't know. I'm almost tempted to make that the episode title now. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> I, I mean, I think, like I said, I think it's a perfect parable for for what Luke goes through. And it's funny because I I think I just thought that now, but it is very similar to what Francis and I put Luke through on a on a <laughs> weekly basis. So with now then, you know, kind of doing a bit of a retrospective, now looking forward, I mean, I don't know how much you're able to kind of give insight since uh, we haven't quite gotten there yet, but what is the next step? Like, um, what is it that you hope to then accomplish uh, going forward, um, however long you feel as though the strip should continue? With Francis and I, I think the sort of unspoken pact is that we'll continue as long as we have stories to tell and we have, and we feel like we have something to say, something personal to say, or, or something relatable to say. So we don't really have any preconceived notion as to how long it may last, but we do have a, a decent amount of story that we still have left to tell. So in the immediate future for Luke is navigating the most current issue, which is, moving in with his current girlfriend who they are very serious about one another. They are very much in love, but she has some hesitance <laughs> due to uh, Luke's patterns of abuse and behavior, which is completely understandable on his girlfriend's part. So this year is going to be about him kind of learning how to, I guess, better consider other people's, uh, uh, how he affects other people's lives. Right. And it's more because he, he's he's started to realize this over the past couple of years. But the main, I think, lesson from all of this for him is that he's not the only one who matters. <laughs> and I think it's very easy for all of us to sometimes, you know, not consider the people who are around us and the people that are affected by things we do every day. So Luke has now seriously begun the process of 
excavating some of that and exploring some of that. So this year is very much going to be surrounding this idea, surrounded by this idea of learning how to comport yourself in a way where you still are thinking about the people that you love and how your actions uh, may directly contribute to either their well-being or, you know, a uh, horrible mood. Yeah, that is a good point. And that's something I didn't really think about is even in the quest of self-improvement and self-discovery, the dangers of selfishness that can happen in that where, yes, you know, you're trying to get better and not even just the mistakes because those are easy to point out, but even in trying to do things the right way, you know, there still is that risk of alienating people that I don't even often think about a lot of times. Absolutely, because, you know, people aren't perfect. And Luke certainly isn't, and I'm certainly not. So it, it sometimes it doesn't matter what the intent of your actions are or the intent of something that you say happens to be, because intent doesn't matter when it affects somebody a specific way. If that's how they internalize something that you've done, that's valid. So you have to consider those possible outcomes, I suppose, with everything that you do. And Luke has been pretty poor uh, about <laughs> evaluating that situation in the past. And, and so this year, specifically, we're trying to move him more in that direction of being a bit more self-aware in those areas. I was... Uh, looking into the most recent strip, the Valentine's Day one, in which a loose conversation with Cupid. Right. Cannabis Cupid. <laughs> Cannabis Cupid, which that one, that one really hit because it then touched on another idea, you know, talking about other people. And I guess in this context would be Luke's girlfriend. Having people that are close to you that can help you, but can't necessarily be the sole reason why one would get better. And that really hit hard because, you know, that that's something that, you know, I at least didn't really think of until I just had it, you know, read back to me. It's like, oh, wow, that's that's pretty poignant. And I think that's that's a lesson that I learned myself actually fairly recently. But it's the, the whole conversation is sort of twofold because it's talking to Luke and telling Luke that he needs to be able to quit. And if he's not able to stop the substance abuse problem, then he's not ready to be with people. But the other side of that coin is women for a long time in you know literature and movies have just been used as these sort of foils for men where they you know they get men to realize something and then good good little woman you know playing your role in changing the man's opinion or or making the man see something or whatever it is and and so the woman becomes like we were saying it's no longer a complex character it's just this sort of stepping stone for the male characters. And it's it's a completely like passively misogynistic role for women to play. So with, you know, I've, I've had these conversations with my wife over the last almost 10 years now. And, and those ideas have really struck me because being a straight man, I've never really thought about that before. Or right. I, didn't have, I didn't have access, you know, or a window into that specific viewpoint. So since being with my wife specifically, I've, I've been very conscious of that. So it's not just Cupid getting Luke to wake up and have this realization. It's also because Tiffany 
his girlfriend is a well-rounded person and is not just there to make Luke have this revelation. Exactly. And again, that's, that's, that's some real shit right there. <laughs> right. And, and we do it, you know, we have those conversations in decades and, and as you've pointed out, kind of subtle way sometimes, but if you go over those weekly strips, even though they're one pages at a time, you know, quite often there's more to it than meets the eye because there are, other messages that we're conveying that aren't necessarily in the text of the comic. They're in the subtext or they're in, you know, in something that you have to really delve into. Right. And considering that it's been so many years since you started this, naturally you've grown, or as you said, you hope you did, but then going back and then rereading them, which is why I think that's another thing that I hope, uh, readers both new and old do is go back and actually reread some of those old strips because you'll find so many more layers of things like that you didn't always pick up on and that's always just good practice in general as far as when it comes to reading any kind of material or experiencing any kind of art is revisiting them finding new things that maybe can apply maybe some things that don't apply but again having that well-roundedness that it's not just something that you kind of engage in once and then sort of forget about it. Like it does really benefit from having repeat reads. And that's of course, just more attributes to your work and to the Francis work. And again, the, the stuff that you've been able to accomplish has been remarkable. Oh, thank you, sir. Yeah. With, with serialized work specifically, there's, I, I think the first couple of years have been, a little criticized by people at times, even when people have given positive reviews, I think they've been criticized unfairly as being sort of the, the, you know, male gaze and just in this history of like bro stories where it's this, you know, this fuck up who drinks himself to death and whatever the case may be. But that was laying the groundwork. That wasn't the character. As far as Francis and I were concerned, that wasn't the character. So as you've said, I hope people, especially people who are just discovering the strip now can go back and review some of that and read some of that because it does give a broader perspective of of Luke's character in, in a lot of hopefully positive ways, because you can see very clearly from you know his the trajectory from his starting point to now there's clear growth as a person and you know intellectually personally everything you know and i've read stories like that before about you know the lovable fuck up i mean that for a long time was my bread and butter but i guess it's the thing is there's nothing well maybe i shouldn't say nothing but i I guess this is a, a ongoing discussion i'm having with myself and other people about certain tropes where some tropes aren't necessarily inherently wrong, but I think it's really where you go with it or how you utilize it. Cause yeah, if it was a story of him just constantly, you know, having these issues and screwing things up, but never really going anywhere, then okay. Yeah. I can definitely see critiquing a little bit, but you know, like I said, as it's gone on, you know, it's changed. He's grown. And while there is still, you know, that specter of maybe his old life or his old mindset that tends to creep back up. It doesn't take much to see that he's not the same person that he was, you know, last year, you know, even let's say a couple of strips ago, like there's still a work in progress, but like any real life thing, progress can be slow and it can be tough. It is 100%. And that, you know, gradual growth again is what we were looking to 
you know, explore with Luke. So, you know, it becomes this, this thing where you have to also not jump too far ahead. But even saying that life is not linear. So if you, if you have him come to this like mind altering revelation of what the world may be one week, he could still you know, backslide the next week that that happens, that happens to people. So it wouldn't even be that unrealistic to portray some sort of, uh, I guess, relapse <laughs> to some degree. So the, we've been, we have been careful about that, but again, with, with a weekly comic and one where you're covering the human condition, there really are no rules and tropes are tropes and cliches for a reason, but you can use them. And like you said, if you're putting your own spin on it, or if you're doing something different with it, there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you fall into these traps of, you know, things that ground that has been trodden on a million times before, that's when it becomes problematic, but tropes and cliches and, and well-worn issues are, are there for a reason and and your job as the creator is to put your own stamp on it. Absolutely. Yeah. That's Pope that, Francis and I have done that <laughs> to, to some degree. And that's why I think I, I really do feel like I hope that people, you know, understand that. And if they're starting from the beginning or just starting down working their way backwards, seeing that that is, I, I feel it's definitely the case. I hope they don't work backwards. I hope they start from the beginning. Cause if they start now and work backwards, they're going to go into some sort of inconsolable depression, I feel. So definitely start from the beginning if you're just my <laughs> kids now. It, it gets dark, people. It does, but yet it doesn't always stay there. No, that's true, but I feel like the first couple of years specifically should have a sign at the beginning that reads, Abandon Hope, All Ye Who Enter. <laughs> yeah, and I agree with that. Like That's why I've always loved stories where you get to grow with your characters. Yeah. 100%. And then I, uh, I love stories like that. And even with graphic novels, even when it's those self-contained stories, mm-hmm. it I get very bored if the character remains the same, keeps making the same mistakes, keeps doing the same things. It, there's just nothing to maintain my attention in that type of a story setting. Because what is there to keep you engrossed? in that story and with that character, if it's just the same thing for 200 pages. Some books I do read and and I will admit, and this is no shade at all to anybody, but it does, it is kind of like a comfort food thing where I know exactly what it is I'm getting out of it. And there is something enjoyable about that. Sure. But you know, it's like, it's like junk food. Like, I mean, look, if you gave me like a, a stack of peanut butter cups, I will probably lose my mind and spend the entire day eating them because I have no self-control and I hate myself. <laughs> so I have a thank you present to send you now for this podcast. Excellent. <laughs> don't, I was going to say, don't, then I'll have to write my own decades of an experience about my... <laughs> uh, you don't want to read 200 strips of someone who's succumbed to like <laughs> this complete bender of uh, chocolate and peanut butter candy. <laughs> But like yeah, that if might I get stale after a while. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I I won't even get. I'm 35 now. I don't have the constitution as a teenager. I'll I'll die like five bars in. Yeah, yeah. Let's avoid that at all costs. <laughs> I mean, if you want to send it anyway, I won't begrudge you. <laughs> sure, it could just be a mini series. It would be a five comic <laughs> installment where you know the adventures of peanut butter cup eating man. In- <laughs> 
made very clear from the beginning that diabetes is going to set in very quickly. I mean, would it, would it be With bad? no to- insulin in sight. <laughs> Copyright Adrian has issues. Uh, Alex Walker, like, Ant Express. <laughs> yeah, we better... We better lock that down now. Right? It's just pitch it to Francis. Like, oh, so I had this comic where uh, this guy, uh, he's a podcaster who just goes on like a, a peanut butter cup bender. <laughs> and he's like, um, this sounds remarkably like Alex. is like, no, 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 no. Trust me. This is all new. This is a new yeah. thing. No one's ever done this before. Trust me. It's completely different because it's not alcohol. It's peanut butter cups. You exactly. See? <laughs> so instead of, I guess, uh, drunk death, I, I guess... Uh, I don't know. I got to figure out like a personification for diabetes at this point. Yeah, you could do that. It could just be a large syringe, I suppose. Yeah, but I'm just kind of like, I'm maybe I shouldn't necessarily. I don't want to go method with this. And that's my problem. I don't want (laughs) to. Yeah, I think that was my problem, too, is I I went very method with decades of inexperience. But it was long before I was actually doing the comic. So I suppose it's not as... Uh, sort of fatalist as I'm making it. Yeah, I was gonna say I, I was gonna if it was after the comic. I mean, not for nothing. Um, as a friend, I'm I'm now actually even more concerned for you. Right. <laughs> it, it, it's funny because I've had coworkers. I have several coworkers who actually read the comic, which is a little unsettling at times. But they've said the exact same thing to me. You know, I'm a little worried about you, and I have to explain. No, this is based on for the most part, it's based on past experience. And now we're moving into a little bit more current mindset where I'm having Luke actually, you know, look at his drinking habits as, as a problem, as opposed to something that's an escape or something that he just overindulges in from time to time. He's looking at it with, I think, the proper lens of this is a problem. And it's something that I have more recently gone over with myself so right. that's starting to, to seep its way into the comic as well it's something that i've had had to contend with in my own life recently so i'm starting to talk a little bit about that with decades and to some degree it's cathartic and i suppose the you could say that about the entire comic but there but the nice thing about decades of inexperience is there's always a new issue to explore so there are you know, these markers of catharsis as you go along through the years. And I think that's important. And that really does speak to the longevity and how you've been able to kind of keep going with this. And yeah. as your life changes and the art itself, you know, changes. And it really is just like this really nice piece. And when all is said and done and when it's collected, it's going to be even more remarkable because you, you'll really then see like everything from beginning to end. Yeah, that'll be the true, you know, the true experience of decades of inexperience, I guess, is is to read it all at once. Which is always fun to do, the, like you said, um, yourself to kind of like read those long stretches, because I think that's where that's where it really starts to hit. I mean, if you're reading it from week to week is great and you should, because I actually do that with um the New Mutants, which I don't know why I love that series so much, but when um I had gotten the entire original run from a comic book shop I used to work at years ago. And like at least once a year I would sit there and read issues one to one hundred, maybe a little bit of X Force. But it was cool to see like because that's something you I didn't always get with let's say the X-Men was having 
a team that actually grows up. Right. You know, so you see these characters from children being in a school to having to go through all these different father figures and becoming young adults and then eventually realizing that they had to figure the world out for themselves. And I do love that anytime that that series gets revived in some way, you're seeing them later on. Like some of them have children now. Some of them have run businesses. Some of them have died and been resurrected. Whereas sometimes I feel like a team book, you know, sometimes members get swapped out, but it really is a small knit family and watching that family grow. And I think with decades, that's where I think the real emotional pay dirt comes from is to really just see that in sequence. So by all means, read it often. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose the, um, uh, the, the positive thing about reading it week to week uh, is, is you get a breather from some of the heavier topics. So, you know, that's a benefit of having a little bit of breathing room in between each installment, I suppose. So, but if you have it all online, you can also take a break if you need to. And I think one reviewer actually said they needed to do that at one point, which is completely understandable. You, you take a break, go for a walk, you know, make sure that you don't, like I said, fall into some sort of horrible depression while reading it, but know that it does continually improve. And the entire run of the comic is not just some sort of nightmare, emotionally nightmare inducing story. Right. And that's the part I also want to point out. It's not so hardening to the point where it's like overbearing, but it is sometimes a little difficult to read, but I feel like that's the rewarding part is you get to sometimes the difficult subject matter. And if you really are able to kind of push through that, so that way when Luke is able to celebrate a victory, you feel like you can celebrate a victory too. And I know this sounds really cliche, but that's really what it is. It's a series of ups and downs. And going back to the peanut butter cup thing, it was like, okay, to have a bunch of them, that'd be great. But it's like just to have all this without any real like attachment, it's just, it, it's not going to feel the same. It's just going to feel a, a little superficial. Sure. Well, and the thing is, too, you know, going back to it being a tough read, it can be at times, but so is the news. Mm-hmm. So it's it's not all that dissimilar in the sense that things that we read every day are really difficult. So why should I or anybody shy away from sensitive su- sensitive subjects? There's just no point in doing that. And for me at this point, I've I've done the tenure of years where I tried to create content specifically for what I thought an editor or specific publisher was going to want. I'm through with that. So at this point, I am going to cover any topic that I want to cover. I I mean, you know, in the sense that it's not damaging or hurtful to other people, but talking about specific subjects, I'm not going to censor myself just because I think it's going to make somebody sad. I, I don't think there's any point or any value in that really. I think if you're an artist of any kind, you should be able to express anything that you want to express again, you know, provided it's not inflammatory or intolerant or anything like that. But as far as your personal experiences go, I don't see any reason to shy away from that. And I think that's why I've always just found your work and just even you fascinating is the willingness to even admit that. Because, I mean, let's be honest. I can imagine that in trying to create work, especially something that's semi-autobiographical, 
you're letting pretty much anyone and everyone who's engaging in this at least get some insight into your personality. Even right. though you aren't necessarily going through ex- every single step that Luke is, it's still drawn from your own experience. So to be able to then present that, and like I said, your coworkers are more concerned for you. I know, <laughs> like, <laughs> they're like, oh, are you okay? You know, there, there's a little bit of risk involved in that because some people may not be able to face that. Something out in the public like that, I suppose you're facing some sort of reaction or backlash. And it was a little, I think it was a little bit, not frightening, but I think I was a little more timid about it in the beginning. Whereas now I've received enough positive reactions that I I feel very encouraged and supported to discuss those things. Right. I mean, I just did a, a comic. It was a three page comic for a literary magazine called Moonchild Magazine where it discussed my decision to stop drinking and putting something out there that is autobiographical is, is absolutely harrowing in a lot of ways, but I've done, I've essentially, like you said, I've been doing it with decades for almost five years. So discussing personal anecdotes and personal things that have happened to me doesn't feel unnatural anymore. It feels very second nature to me with comics at this point. Right. And then in turn, I feel like that actually just helps you personally. And that's commendable. Yeah, I'm being disingenuous if I'm not talking about those things. And not to say that creators who are working in the fantasy or sci-fi realm or anything like that are are not genuine. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for me personally, this sort of genre of of slice of life is where I find more of my work to come out as authentic than anywhere else. It's important when you're finding, you know, what sort of category or genre you want to work in. It, it needs to be something that doesn't that comes off as sincere. And if it doesn't, then then there's no point in doing it for me. Right. And the most one of the most difficult things to be in life is yourself. So if yeah. you can be that in any capacity, why wouldn't you want to celebrate that in some way? Oh God, who wants to be themselves, man? That's oh, it's the worst. <laughs> I think that's the, the most challenging thing about being alive. It's <laughs> coming to terms with who you are and, and accepting that. Oh boy. It is. But at the end of the day though, and I know this, this sounds like such an after school special comment, but I don't know if I would want to be anybody but me. No. And that's great. And maybe and less hope- broke, but you know, <laughs> well, sure. There, there are always going to be, facets of your life which i think you can wish improve but i I hope people you know at least find a way to accept who they are you don't always have to love who you are but i think the real objective is at least you know accepting i'm still working on that but i'm closer to it now than i was in my 20s or early 30s for sure that's all luke's trying to do and i think that's the main thing of luke is he's trying to find that as well I just appreciate the fact that you've been able to, you know, have us go along this journey with you. And again, 200 is a number that's nothing to sneeze at. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. You know, it feels like something that is not as astounding as it actually is or as staggering as it actually is. But when you take a step back and look at it, it's it's pretty insane. We spent, you know, the better half of an hour talking about that life is tough. It could be difficult. And there's many a reason why any of us could just pack it up and be like, you know what? We're done. Let me pitch this out the window, uh, so to speak. But you stuck with it. You keep going at it. 
And as you find your audience and, you know, even redefining your audience and as well as just redefining yourself, that is commendable. And thank you. And, you know, thanks to Francis and also everybody that you've worked with for keeping this going. And also real quick, though, I do want to shout out, um, you did have a series of strips that were done by guest artists. I did. I injured my hand while on vacation, my drawing hand, while my wife and I were on vacation last year. And I had some wonderful friends voluntarily step in. Uh, Jacob, Rafael Estrada, Betsy Streeter, Kurt Belcher, and Randy Handelman were absolute godsends in my knights in shining armor, <laughs> as it were. And, and without any hesitation stepped in to fill in that, that month where I couldn't possibly have drawn. So yeah, big thank you to them for helping me actually continue 2019 and see it through to the end. <laughs> and I love that. That is great. And uh, I don't know, I always just get like super uh, emotional when talking about as far as the community aspect, because that is huge. It is. And honestly, I didn't even necessarily uh, expect that response, but it was a little bit overwhelming emotionally for me as well, just to have people come out of the woodwork and say, you know, we love you. We, we support you and we're going to help you out through this time. And it was kind of a defining moment for me in, in comics, to be really honest. Thank you so much for sharing this. And I'm so glad they were able to chat once again. I know it's been a while, but I always appreciate getting the time to connect with you. So, um, and also waking up as early as you did. So I, hopefully, uh, the the caffeine was enough. (laughs) Adrian, for you, I will wake up at any time, my friend. See, you say that until I call you at 3 a.m. your time and be like, Hey, you want to do hello? (laughs) 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 I was trying to sound like a, you know, a considerate human being and you just had to go and fuck it up. No, but you are. See, that's no, you are more than considerate. <laughs> I'm the one who's an asshole. <laughs> no, not at all. No, it was a pleasure talking to you as always. And I really appreciate you helping us out with this, commemorate this milestone. Anytime. But speaking of milestones, decades of inexperience, um, let's let the good people know where they can read the 200 strip, but also the first and anything else you want to throw out. The, the new strips are posted every Friday at anticspress.com. Uh, that is the publisher run by Francis Lombard, who puts out Decades. Shout out to Francis. Shout out to Francis. Wonderful editor. Uh, the archives are up at decadesofinexperience.com. And the f- that's years three forward. And then years one and two are up at Comic Fury under Decades of Inexperience. And then if you want to check out my monthly Mr. Butterchips, which is a fun sort of satirical and far more political strip, that's at drunkmonkeys.net every month as well. Awesome. Again, thank you, and thank you for listening. And that will do it for this episode of Adrian Has Issues, and we will see you next issue. For more great podcasts, visit AdrianHasIssues.com.